through the hourglass. Today is the longest day of my life. Welcome back to The Longest Days of Our Lives, a 24 fan cast. I am one of your hosts, Jack Bauer, superfan Mike Cushane. And I'm another one of your hosts, 24 newbie Curtis Perry. Hello and welcome back to The Longest Days of Terry's Life. I am your third and final host, Michael Howard. Man, Terry really has a day here, doesn't she? Mm-hmm. Man, she's, um, I thought she just died of just, of just Bit being of alive. <laughs> yeah. Being alive killed Terry. Yeah. Yeah, I, I thought her soul gave up. Mm-hmm. It was like, you know what? Nope, I'm out. Yeah, like, literally, I, I, I there is a moment in this in this episode where I think I see Terry's, like, spirit rise up out of her body. She's like, nah, I'm gone. I don't... <laughs> and she, she pulled a far and away and just uh, her, her spirit left her body on and <laughs> it just... She jumped away. She, and was, I, yep. she was definitely Johnny Sad Guy. Yeah. I, you know, I can't really blame her. Um, no, not at all. But speaking of Johnny Sad Guy... Uh, Mr. Bob Ellis has just been strangled to death in New Orleans, uh, but not before he handed off all of his info to Milo. Um, and we open with Bob Ellis's just horrible, no good corpse dropping to the floor. <laughs> and, uh, his phone is lying on the bathroom floor in the men's room in New Orleans. And Jack is just yelling like an idiot into the phone. Just, he keeps yelling, pick up the phone, pick up the phone. Yeah, like he's talking to a, an answering machine? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I think he may have thought that Bob dropped the phone in the toilet. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Clean it uh, off, buddy. Just clean it off and off. get it next to your ear. Come on. So in the background, we Stop see Stop peeing the- on me. <laughs> I hear you. Um, in the background, we see the killer uh, kind of stealing all of uh, Bob Ellis' personal effects. Um, and then he walks away. And as Jack yells, pick up the phone, the killer obliges, picks up the, mm-hmm. picks up the phone and ends the call. And, um, Jack redials and part of me was like, oh, I bet they, I bet they're going to retrace, they're going to trace this call, which should only take an hour and a half. <laughs> um, but it goes to voicemail and Jack realizes that Bob Ellis is probably dead. Well, Jack should have realized that before and he should have started tracing the call instead of just screaming the same four words into the phone for like yeah. 10 minutes. But yeah. So we've already established he's bad at actually being a CTU agent. So after this, he takes about 45 seconds just muttering, think, Jack, just think. And then his, it took, it took him 45 seconds to come up with the grand plan of calling another CTU agent in New Orleans to go check for a body. <laughs> I, I want to know once again how there is a floating CIA operative who is NSA, NSA, NSA operative. operative. Oh, is that what he said? Uh, yeah, I thought he, he tells, said CIA he tells operative. Agent, he tells Agent Watson in, Nor- in the New Orleans CTU office that he have a floating NSA operative, and I think something terrible has happened to him. <laughs> so he arranges to send Ellis the address where uh, or uh, Watson the address where Ellis was hanging out. But now yeah. is, is CTU New Orleans led by Scott Bakula? <laughs> <laughs> Who's another like a uh, time appropriate like character actor? Because it wouldn't be. I mean, Bakula had other things on his plate at this point. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, uh, I honestly yeah. can't remember. Kevin yeah. Sorbo's always, or, uh, yeah. always got something. There you, you know. go. This he could always do some stuff. It's, it's definitely Jason Priestley. <laughs> no, Jason, a Jason Priestley CTU spinoff is something I would watch. I, I'll be honest with you. Um, so Milo bursts into the office and Jack tries to tell him he doesn't have any time. But Milo says, you have to see this. And he says, I have surveillance shots of all three backup shooters in the country. And I've cross-referenced them with the files that Bob, Bob Ellis sent him, which... Apparently two minutes ago, so Milo's working very quickly. Um, 
And uh, so he pulls up images of our our three shooters. We see one of them is the creepy FBI, the fake FBI agent from the clinic. Mm-hmm. We see sexy Alexis Drazen looking real good. And we see this photo approximately nine times in this episode. And then a third goober who does not really look like the guy who killed Ellis. So apparently there's a fourth killer on the loose in the Drazen uh, thing. Um, so basically Jack tells Milo to spread the word to the Secret Service because any or all of them could still be targeting Palmer or Jack. And uh, Jack says to make sure that they brief Senator Palmer. And guys, Elizabeth is about to get a very nasty surprise. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. She, I just love that she, like, immediately, she gets, a, she gets an update on David Palmer and immediately goes back to breaking protocol and giving away secrets. Yep. Yeah. She cannot stop. She's thinking yeah. about that dick 24-7. 24-7. Um, so before we cut back to, uh, you know, anyone else, uh, Milo says one of my favorite lines in this show so far. He says, one more thing. Uh, Johnny Cool Guy here, pointing to Sexy Assassin, he says, his name is Alexis Drazen. He's Victor Drazen's son. He was trained in Belgrade, Special Forces. And Jack just, like, kind of smiles and says, good work. Like, now he's got a nemesis who's on his, like, his level. <laughs> That's true. Because yeah, the forces guy? Bring it on. Yeah. He's like, he's like, well, Ira Gaines is dead. I need, I need someone worthy of my deadly prowess. Yeah. I need someone to kill, basically, yeah. who is, who is on my level. Yeah. So, as, as is the, uh, modus operandi of this show, if you say someone's name, they will appear in the next scene. And, uh, Alexis Drazen, appears walking down very handsomely down the street and he gets a call from elizabeth who called him like 40 minutes ago she so she definitely wants that dick Mm -hmm. um and she basically tells him that palmer isn't leaving town after all and that uh she wants to meet him at the hotel at 4 30 uh because he's leaving an out leaving a meeting now with his brother andre so he says i know where to find you and they hang up (laughs) so she really wants that dick guys yeah yeah she's she's hungry for that dick yeah um so I'm going to cut through a lot of this stuff pretty quick because this is a long episode. I took way too many notes um, and all of the action is at the very end. But there is a lot of setup that happens in the first few minutes. So we cut to a few agents posted outside the Bauer safe house. A couple are disguised as utility workers. One is disguised as a lawn maintenance person, which, guys, I got to say, this is a very bad disguise, right? Like a lawn, a guy with a lawnmower because... You can you only cut the grass so many times before the only other option about what you're doing is, oh, you are a federal agent. And you right? literally can't hear anything. Like, anything. you're the easiest person to be snuck up on, ever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we... Also, the wiki, the wiki refers just refers to him as lawnmower agent, which is <laughs> terrific. <laughs> Man. It, it is an effective you had thing. You to be, like, the last guy in your class of special agents to be lawnmower agent. Yeah. 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 So I will. It was kind of an effective thing because I could every time they cut to the safe house, the lawnmower sound was going on in the background, and then when it wasn't, I was like, "Oh no!" <laughs> so j- jumping ahead a little bit on that one, but uh, so all the agents are outside the house. They radio inside to Paulson and Breer, who are guarding opposite ends of the house. Uh, Breer says everything is quiet on his end of the house, and we get a phone call, which Agent Paulson goes to pick up, and as he does, we get a tiny clock. Our first episode, it is 3.05. Everyone, please take a drink. Um, he walks the phone into Terry's room, where she's taking a little nappy, and uh, it's Jack, so he gives her the phone. She's and- trying to sleep, but that fucking lawnmower. Yeah, how did, how am yeah. I supposed to get catch a couple Jeez. Zs in here? Um, I, just, so- I wish it would have lasted until the night, so it would have been like just 2 a.m. and this guy's just still going with the lawnmower 
I, I knew he was dedicated to his him. job. All right. <laughs> he's, he's just, he wants to make sure that lawn is perfectly fucking manicured. How mm-hmm. dare you? I mean, I kind of wanted him to him. just like, he go over it with the lawnmower for a solid six hours yeah. and then be out there at dusk <laughs> with a pair of scissors, just like yep. meticulously just got it and every once in a while just taking a just taking a blade of grass and and tasting it like less miles less miles Mm -hmm. style Mm -hmm. um so so jack takes one of his uh you know vaunted terry breaks just to check in uh you know take a little break from the investigation into the assassinations uh because he had the feeling that something was wrong last time they talked and terry just says no i'm fine i don't really want to talk uh, and Jack just says, well, I'm here at CTU if you need me, which is the most obvious thing ever, because Jack's apparently always at CTU and never at home to take care of his wife and, and child. Um, but So she responds, another- she responds, I know. I know. <laughs> it was I the know. greatest. Was like, yeah, I know where you are. That's where you always the fuck are. Yeah. yeah. Especially, especially given the last episode where Terry knows that Nina and Jack have been fucking oh of, man of course terry knows he's at ctu she's yeah. keenly aware of where <laughs> of where jack is um so as uh as jack and terry's marriage continues to crumple around them we cut back to the Palmer hq and get another tiny clock shotgun uh succession uh david walks into the hotel suite where someone is briefing the palmer staff about the three backup shooters targeting palmer sherry turns around and greets him says good you're just in time and uh we get the welcome return of secret service agent aaron pierce our ginger uh ginger agent and he says the threat is real but we have some great heads up intelligence from ctu and he shows the staff three pictures of the shooters and says, since we are, you are all on the front lines of this campaign, we hope you can expand our surveillance reach. So we see the three terrorists. We identify Jovan Miovic as the creepy FBI agent at the clinic. We see Alexis Drazen, and we finally put a face that we don't really recognize to Mishko Shuba. And uh, Elizabeth starts visibly freaking out. Oh, yeah. I was – so I don't know how you guys felt, but I immediately assumed that she was going to, like, call him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, no, I, I thought she was going to yeah, call him and be like, why couldn't you just be honest with me? <laughs> we could have worked it out. I could have Do helped you. Do you still want to meet at the hotel at 4.30? <laughs> we can talk about it. So, right after I get that sweet tweet, Nick. <laughs> so my notes said uh, one part terrified, two parts horny. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, I just wish I would have known before our last encounter. Yeah, I felt like it. it, it Nothing her, gets me wet. Her mind looked like the, her, his dick got bigger. Jesus. Like he just felt his dick bigger. I'm like, oh yeah. Mm. Wait a minute, a little, little dangerous now. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not only sexy. I'm also dangerous. Dangerously sexy. Um, so she runs out of the room, and like no one notices, especially not the Secret Service, who's like they don't notice. Like that looks a little suspicious. But David, of <laughs> we course, showed her follows- a picture, and she ran away. Yeah, <laughs> probably nothing. It's probably fine. Uh, so David notices though, and he follows her out of the room and asks her what wrong, uh, what what's wrong. And she turns to him, looking pretty hopeless. And before she says anything, we cut to Kim Bauer on camera with Nina, who she continues to cover for Rick. Uh, she just says Rick ran away before CT uh, could talk to him because he was scared. Uh, mm. And. Uh, listen, uh, like, <laughs> so basically Nina tries to say, like, Kim continue to defend Rick. 
So Nina just like whatever he does, whatever he, he says doesn't change the fact that he's a fugitive. And if you know where he is and doesn't t- and you don't tell us, you're kind of committing a serious crime here. Yeah. And Kim just doubles down and says, "All I know is that Rick helped us escape, and without him, we never would have gotten out." And guys, all Rick did was get shot in the arm like a dumbass, and he yeah. kidnapped her in the first place. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's like it's like I, I, Kim. I'm like Rick is a kidnapper. It's what his fucking job was. He kidnapped you. And well, gave you when he tried to help crime. you escape, he gave you a fucking unloaded gun. Yeah. Uh, so Nina tries to explain the concept of Stockholm Syndrome uh, <laughs> to Kim, and she's not having it. And she literally Oddly says, enough, Curtis, Kim does not understand that at all. Yeah, Curtis, to, your, to your point, Kim literally says, Rick isn't a kidnapper. And anyway, I don't know where he is. Uh <laughs> Which is absurd. Um, so at that point, Terry walks out and tells Nina that she's ready to pick up where she left off. Um, so Kim walks away, and what do you she's think? Ready the odds for of, something? Yeah. What do you think the odds are? Kim would just immediately calling Rick. Just to, it's a hundred and fifty-five percent. Yeah. The five percent, just because she's that fucking stupid, <laughs> that much more stupid. I can't stand Kim. Yeah. She's killing me this episode. Okay. So. <laughs> As so Kim leaves, Nina gets ready to interview Terry, and the man, this this whole thing is super uncomfortable. Um, it was so, so great though; it made me it made me really like Terry. Yeah. It, oh god, so, she, she 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 tells her that it's, it's okay. It's hilarious. Go ahead, Coach. No, I'm sorry. no, 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 you're, you're fine. Uh, so I'll just <laughs> I'm gonna say this and then just step away. Uh, so before they really get started, before Nina turns the camera on, Terry says. Hey, I, I don't want Nina. I don't want you to have to tiptoe around me. Jack and I were separated when you slept with with him, and I'm not going to hold that against you, okay? And then for the next 35 minutes, Terry immediately and continually holds this against her. <laughs> it's great. Like, her first statement is, I translated it to, technically it wasn't cheating, Nina. So I'm not going to come at you like a spider monkey right now. <laughs> okay? Let's get through the goddamn interview, and we're Okay. But no, she just spends the entire time acting as a wife who's been cheated on, mm-hmm. and she's talking to Jack through Nina. Yeah, yeah. Just those little subtle jabs of, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, I know what you did, fuck you, and Nina's just just taking it and just can't do it. She can't yeah. take it for too much longer. Yeah, it, I mean, it kind of, like, so later on in this episode, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but there's a there's a rela- another relationship which goes from, like, possibly mending on the mend to... 180 degrees in like three seconds. Open, open aggression. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so so she says, like she had two just really good lines. Like one was, maybe you should do your job. Don't you have a job to do, Nina? And then yeah. she says, it's not that simple. And then Kim, or sorry, Terry says, things tend to get complicated when you screw your boss. <laughs> yeah. So th- that comes up a little bit later in uh, in their interview, but. The first part here is very important because Nina is trying to get Terry to, like, she's telling her about Kim and she says Kim is trying to protect Rick. Um, and I'm pretty sure she's withholding something about him. Uh, and she's like, she's protecting him. She seems to have feelings for him. And, uh, Terry just goes, well, there may have been an attraction when she met him last night, but if Kim knew anything, I'm sure she'd tell you. And Nina just says, are you sure about that? And Terry's like, she's my daughter. I think I know her better than you. And one, I, I understand you coming at her like that because, you know, he she did just fuck your husband mm-hmm. uh, repeatedly and often. But just to recap, Terry objectively knows that Kim is an irresponsible <laughs> moron. Like, yes. She ran out of the house at midnight on a Tuesday mm-hmm. because 
the Democratic primary in California was uh, March 7th, a Wednesday. So Terry left the house on a school night because I checked this. School doesn't end in California until June 15th. So, <laughs> well, of course it was a school night. It was March. Come on. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, well, it was positive this year is June 7th. So I, I had to do some, but so also <laughs> not, not two hours ago, Kim was nearly killed by a sniper because she wanted to go hang out with Rick yep. in a water tower. Mm-hmm. Like she clearly has feelings for this moron. And I don't, she literally has not shut up about Rick the entire time Carrie and Tim have, Terry and Kim have been reunited. <laughs> you, did, you did it again. You did it again. <laughs> since since Tim have been back together, um, so how does she not think Kim might be protecting Rick? I think like, she, I think I don't think she really thinks that. I think that anything Nina would have said, she would have come back at her. Correct, she was at her. But Nina's face looked at Terry as if to say, "Well, I know your daughter's a fucking moron. Do you? Right? Because that's what I mean. I'm, you're not getting it apparently because she's fucking stupid. Mm-hmm. Yeah." Yeah. So uh, Nina looks kind of hurt by like <laughs> Terry's reaction, and, and given what Terry had just said about not holding anything against her, uh, and like Terry kind of seems to regret it. But um, <laughs> we cut back to CTU, and Jack gets a phone call from David Palmer, and Palmer tells Jack about Elizabeth <laughs> and Drazen, and Jack asks if if she knows where uh, where Drazen is, and Palmer says they're in contact. <laughs> <laughs> this is the best exchange of the show, I think. Um, Jack is just like, what kind of contact? In what context? David just pauses a, a pregnant pause, by the way, just says, intimate. intimate. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like you and Nina, Jack, you know? I love so, intimate. He's such a fucking dork. <laughs> David... He's, he's just the nerdiest fucker ever. What was he going to say? What was he going to say? Okay, I got to defend David here. I'm shocked you didn't say... What's he going to say? David, fuck. Uh, no, sexual? I, I, I said... <laughs> I'm shocked you didn't say they've engaged in sexual congress. <laughs> <laughs> she knows him in the biblical sense. <laughs> so, <laughs> it would have been better if he had just said... Biblical. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Um, so Jack asks uh, David if she's in a position to endanger uh, his security. Which, yeah, like the missionary position. <laughs> I, I don't think I don't think Drazen would have settled for missionary. That guy he seems pretty active in the in the sack. Um, he started but, uh, there. so. Basically, Jack asks, like, has she already leaked your but entire itinerary? But you finish somewhere else. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, so. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. I'm, I'm holding back. I'm not going to say it. Let's mm. get, can move forward. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Kurt, please say it. I mean, we all want to hear it. Go ahead and do On it. On her face. Mm-hmm. There it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, yeah. Mm. Maybe, maybe in their DC rendezvous. But basically, uh, David says Elizabeth wants to help. She's shaken up. But uh, Jack says they'll need to debrief her at CTU, and he's going to send a helicopter to the hotel where she's at. Palmer asked Jack if he was able to get the file from Ellis about Operation Nightfall. And again, it's one of those uh, – there are two, two points in this conversation where people just miss obvious points. So Jack's just like, I lost contact with Ellis. And Jack or David just says, well, what do you mean? I mean, we got interrupted in the middle of our phone call. And sir, I have to be honest with you. I have a very bad feeling about this. It's like, why don't you just say I'm pretty sure someone ripped his entire throat out? Like, yeah. 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 That's sure it. He got garroted. <laughs> yeah. He real did. 
so basically, just is telling. I'm telling you for now. We have to assume that Alice is dead because he's uh, dead. So, because he's mm-hmm. massively 100% dead and he's just <laughs> laying there in a stupid New Orleans bathroom. Uh, so Palmer says to keep him posted. They hang up and Jack tells Milo to get him Chopper Command, which is a pretty cool name. Uh, and I want to say that to someone one day. Uh, and we cut to commercial. It's 311. Uh, and we come back. It is 316. We get a split screen. Terry is uncomfortable on the couch. Uh, Kim is leaning against a wall making a phone call. And we cut to some douche-ass room with some bead curtains where a phone is ringing. And according to the subtitles, funky dance music is playing. I figured out what that funky dance music was, Kush, just for you guys. Really? Yep. It was a song called Who's That Cat? Where cat is spelled K-A-T, just in case you're wondering, mm-hmm. oh, oh, uh, yeah. by a band called The Salads. What is, I mean, I, I, I had to listen to it in this dumb episode. Can you can you break me off a piece of that real quick, Michael? Uh, they're, a, they're a ska punk band. Oh, God, it sounds real bad. Yeah, they're from Canada. So they're like a Canadian like cross between like 311 Limp Biscuit and like a bad sublime cover band. That is not what I heard wow. in, in this dumb, stupid house. They had but- a song, they've had a song in Eurotrip. They had a song in Dawson's Creek and 24, you, so that's the trifecta there. Can you break me off a piece real quick? Uh, do you want to hear the one that is from uh, Dawson's Creek? Okay. Oh, by okay. the way, uh, Too Cool for School is spelled with the number two. Then, nope. then and cool. Not SK. Please not SK. Then is cool it? with a K and then four, S- the number, and then a school oh. is S-K-O-O-L. Oh, God damn it. Kill it. <laughs> that, Michael, was one of the most sonically unpleasant experiences I've ever had in my entire life. <laughs> Too cool for school. Fuck that shit. I ain't going. Too cool for school. What we need is another vacation. Yeah, drop out of high school, which I'm sure they did. Mm-hmm. Rick style. So, yeah. Uh, so, I think it's, you know, I think it's a good... A good band I mean, for Rick to be listening to. It's a perfect Rick music. Um, so, speaking of that dum-dum, uh, he walks through his very good beat curtain with a bandage on his stupid useless arm. And I don't... Whose house is he in? Did, like, the bus take him directly to his house? Like, we never really... It was all how he got there, well, but... I I assume that it's the house of uh, his his lady friend. Yeah, so we, we do meet a lady friend in a moment. Uh, so... He picks up the phone. Kim says Nina is pushing her really hard, and she still wants Rick to turn himself in. And Rick just says, well, can she prove anything? No? Well, that's all that matters. And he says, like, look, I really appreciate what you're doing and everything, but you probably shouldn't call here, at least not for a little while. Um, and Kim's like, how long? And I, I mean, I want – and he just hangs up the phone as <laughs> the door behind him opens. He hastily hangs up, and a, a very, like, late 90s, early 2000s trashy girl walks in, looks like – Black hair, tats, a nose ring, a shirt with one sleeve. She's basically the anti-Kim, yep. essentially. Yep, I and wrote that. I actually wrote that exact phrase. The anti-Kim? <laughs> yep, the yeah. anti-Kim. The anti-Kim rises. <laughs> um, so Rick tells her that was a wrong number, and uh, they lay down on the bed together. And guys, I this is just a hunch, because I don't really remember this episode. I absolutely cannot wait for her to meet Kim. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm excited about that myself. I think it's going to be great. Um, so does she, does this, does this lady friend of his know that he's been shot in the arm or 
Is he? Because it seems like he's trying to hide it with a a flannel that he wears. Apparently, it's his bed flannel. I don't know. <laughs> it's my sleepy time flannel. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah a flannel for every occasion. She doesn't really appear to have any cognizant like anything going on upstairs at all, other than yeah, because, like random jealousy and suspicion. So yeah, because his face does not look fantastic mm-hmm. either, and there's no questions about that. Yeah. So nope. I, it, who knows? Yeah. She apparently just wants to hang out, and he just wants to, like, he just pretends he needs to take a nap, and she, like, storms off in a huff. Um, so we cut back to Nina interviewing Terry, and Nina's asking her about gains, and Terry just says, who's gains? And how fucking dare you, Terry? You, God you, rem- you remember that man's name. Don't you, don't you besmirch him. Yeah. Okay. So, uh... <laughs> Nina just says Ira, the leader of the group, and Terry just looks completely over this thing. And Michael, this is where we get your line, because Nina just says, how about we take a break? And this is where Terry just says, how about you do your fucking job? Don't you have a job to do? Oh, God. Oh, the knives came out. Yeah. The knives are just out. So, so this show, Terry comes in, you know, like a spider monkey, and uh, just... Nina's like, well, obviously this isn't working. So Terry says, yeah, I thought I could stay calm and rational about this, but I can't. I'm sorry. And (laughs) And if you stay uh, here any longer, I'm going to claw your eyes out. So So Nina just says, no apology needed, but I think Paulson should finish up. So she just kind of walks away uh, into the rest of the house and apparently to go get Paulson to finish up the debrief with uh, Terry and Kim. So we cut back to CTU and Jack is getting dressed for some reason, in a sharp-looking dress shirt and slacks, uh, which yeah. seems pretty counter to the operation he's running, but I'm not going to judge him. That's um, all he has left in the in the closet. He's already changed, so, like, five times. So, as he's getting dressed, who appears in Jack's office? It's George fucking Mason. Yeah. Uh, George, I am back to do work. Yeah. So, George Mason, of course, was Jack's boss, who he tranked, tranked in the leg earlier, mm-hmm. and was last seen taking away the terrorist Penikoff for questioning at Division, the man that Jack broke out of uh, jail. Uh, that does not come up. No one mentions it at <laughs> <No>. all. He, <laughs> apparently, he apparently had nothing to say. Uh, so, Jack asks what Mason is doing there, and he says, well, I'm the new quarterback, and Alberta was sent back to district. Uh, apparently, he was just sent there to keep an eye on Jack. Uh, and Jack doesn't really seem keen on that. Um, but whatever, he tells... he's got plenty more tranks. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> got a binder full of them. Do <laughs> have any more binders? Can I hide a dark gun in? <laughs> so Mason just says, "So it's really Drazen's boys that are after Palmer, huh?" And does everyone just know about this secret fucking mission about Drazen? <laughs> like it shouldn't be common knowledge. Also, right now, the right? Drazen boys. Like, what is this? An episode of? Fucking that Dukes show. Of Hazard. Yeah, Dukes of like, Hazard. Like, God damn yeah. it. It would have been way funnier if I could remember names of things. It's like the, like you the want, Dalton you, gang back in the day, the outlaw days. Michael, <laughs> you, you want to redo it, bud? <laughs> no. You, you want to take another stab at it? Like the Drazen boys, like they're fucking from Tombstone. You did it again. <laughs> God. <laughs> the Drazen boys, like they're the fucking nephews of Donald Duck. Nope. <laughs> One more time. I believe in you. <laughs> so Hugh and Dewey lure the Duck Boys now? That's what his sister's name is. <laughs> so Mason Mason says, uh, yeah, okay, I know why they're after you. Obviously, it's a revenge play for killing their father, but why Palmer? 
So Jack tells him that Palmer authorized the mission, and he tells Mason he thinks the Drazens took out Ellis also. Um, he tells her about Elizabeth, said that she'd been dating one of the shooters, which seems like a nice little uh, euphemism for mm. they've been fuck buds for, for a month. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, she's on her way over for a debriefing, and uh, that she's due to meet Drazen at the hotel in an hour. And Mason clearly says, okay, well, that's fine. We can arrest him. That gives us time to set up an arrest. And... Uh, Jack just says, George, think about this. What if she keeps that dick? What if she gets a little taste of that dick real quick? <laughs> yeah, I wonder, I wonder, like, because the first time she went over there, they got it on real fast. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. immediately. Yeah. So, like, mm-hmm. how are they even going to set up an operation to learn anything? She's well, got to take that dick. Yeah. So, Jack says, I mean, that's the only well, way, right? Yeah, yeah she's got to walk in that room, take that dick, and then when he's cleaning something off, you know, do what you got to do. Yeah, it's a come little, on in. little, it's a little bait and bait and snatch situation, huh? <laughs> snatch and snatch, really? <laughs> snatch, <yeah. laughs> bait, bait that snatch situation? No, it's snatch and bait, right? Snatch it's that, gotta, snatch that bait from the snatch. You're not, she's, she's not snatching anything; she's placing something. So it's a snatch. Well, he's snatch he's snatching the snatch, which is the bait, though. He's getting the snatch. Yeah, but it's, bait, it's the bait. But then, but then, but but she's planting. Right, so, so it's a plant, bait. it's a plant and snatch and bait and snatch situation. Hey guys, you know what I'm doing right now? I'm wa- I'm watching Batman Forever over Curtis's shoulder. We're cutting all of this, you idiots. <laughs> this is what the fan. This is what the fan come to see. Yeah. Fair. So Jack says, we're going to have a squad across the hall to take care of things before anything could happen. This is too big an opportunity to pass up. And I honestly... Don't worry. The whole seventh floor crew is I honestly, ready for you. I, I honestly don't why'd know you go, if... You seventh floor crew? Yeah, you're, you suck. Um, I honestly don't know if Jack has seen anyone at CTU do anything. Because he seems to have very misplaced faith in their ability to protect or achieve a common goal in any way, shape, or form. Yep, and this episode later on just goes to show that literally no one who is in charge of protecting anyone is good at their jobs. No, very, very bad. Well, actually, Paulson makes a pretty good showing of himself. I'll say that. Anyway, we learn that Elizabeth is going to be at CTU in 10 minutes. We cut back to Palmer HQ, and David's on the phone with someone talking about Elizabeth uh, going to CTU to uh, talk about Alexis Drazen. And uh, as he is... Keith opens the door and looks in, and uh, as David hangs up and says so call that dude back, we get a tiny clock. It is now 3.20. Please take a drink. Um, David closes the door, says, uh, you know, Keith, we haven't had much of a chance to talk. Every time we do, we're at each other's throats. And Keith says, everything's okay between you and me, which seems odd. Um, but basically... David tries to bury the hatchet here and tells Keith that, like, things are going to change from now on. Starting right now, I know I can't earn your your trust overnight, but if you want to come to me when you need to talk, I promise I'll always be there. They shake hands, they have a nice moment, and Keith asks David what the police said about David, uh, Dr. Ferragamo. Curtis, you got thoughts? Beyond finally, like, telling your son that, hey, I'm going to start being your father... Uh, now that you're like the, 25? Yeah, and then to seal that deal offering him a hearty handshake, uh, you soulless bastard. Uh, his his stupid son's next question is, so... How do we, go, we, how do we pr- send me to have jail? We, have we begun the proceedings of me going to prison yeah. yet? 
<laughs> so do I, should I pack up my stuff here first or? Yeah. yeah. Do what you David has to say, uh, we got more important things to deal with right now. Like do somebody's I, do I send trying my, to murder me. <laughs> do I send my measurements to the jail for the, for the suit or is it kind of one size fits all? What's like, that should I, like? should I put money in the commissary account? Now or is it like a week week by week thing? It's like a yeah, meal and plan and, and, and college. And is there is there a butthole protection plan for someone in my position? Uh because of your status? Is that something we could talk about? Because I'm just wondering how we proceed here. So David tells him that they haven't called the police yet because something else came up, like, you know, assassination plots. Like and three what, foreign assassinators. Whatnot. And Keith just isn't having it, and David just says Listen, man, I have to be able to make decisions around here without you challenging me. That's impressive. <laughs> yeah. And Keith just basically says, listen, I don't need you to just talk to me. I need you to do the right thing. And as he storms out, David just says, I'll do the right thing at the right time, which I've seen no uh, inkling of that. And Keith just says, yeah, sure you will. Um, which, by the way, can can we take a moment to just appreciate um, the actor who plays Keith, his name is Vicelis Rion Shannon, which is a badass name. That's a great name. Yeah, I okay. like it. I oh, like yeah. it a lot. Um, so after that little, you know, family meltdown, we cut to the terrace we now know as Jovan Miovic, the professional phone cleaner who poses a <laughs> FBI agent at the clinic. <laughs> I forgot about his professional phone cleaning skills. So good. He's so good at it. So, so tidy. He's so good. Yeah. Uh, so he, we see him sitting in the passenger seat of a car on the phone telling Andre Drazen that he's found the Bowers at a safe house and that he's almost in. And Andre asks him how many men are guarding them. And Jovan just says, I'm handling the situation. And as he says that, he pushes a dead CTU agent up in the driver's seat and says, rest assured, the women will be dead soon. Um, so Andre tells him to call him as soon as it's done. And he hangs up. And Jovan very gingerly puts a hard hat on the dead guy, and he pulls it down so it looks like he's just taking a nap. In oh, the yeah, just the, truck. just the CTU agent who's supposed to be protecting people taking a nap. That will draw no one's suspicion at all. Yeah. So he steps out of the car, and my immediate thought was, there was also a man in the bucket of the utility truck, like oh, checking yeah, the power was. lines. Yeah. Toast and I was. was like, how did he deal with that man? How did he? Yeah. How do you kill a dude in a cherry picker? He just yeah, like, dropped down, it. Drop down from the tree. So he steps out and <laughs> like we, a macaque. We, we obviously hear the lawnmower running in the background, letting us know that a uh, lawnmower agent is still alive. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as he moves around the utility truck, we pan up and we see the dead guy in the bucket with he's sitting down inside the cherry picker bucket, totally dead, bleeding from the throat. And how did he get shot in the throat? <laughs> I don't like how. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think common military knowledge is that from an uh, from an I uh, you know an elevated position, you have the ability to kill a like what's all below you. And this man managed to get shot in the throat piece from down below. Which well, I just, and that's the thing. Like, like I silently see, shot. Yeah, I was. I yeah. can see him getting killed. Right? Like, okay, a guy could have crawled yeah. up there or whatever. But like to get killed without even seeing it coming when you're like. 30 feet in the air by and yourself. The reason you're up, and your only job is to is to surveil what's below right. you. That's why you're in the goddamn cherry picker. So we're going to see in a minute that um, Jovan has a silent weapon. That, like <laughs> a, a, that he a, does. An, inter- <laughs> an interesting little gun. I really liked it. But the thing is, this man was shot directly in the front side of the throat. Mm-hmm. Like he ha- like, And no visible 
dart uh, <laughs> from Jovan's gun. So it means this guy was looking at him coming. So at the very least, a good agent would have like radioed, hey, we have someone coming up the sidewalk. Oops, I'm dead now. And then so Jovan killed him without him saying that, had time to get into the car and kill the other agent without was anyone a, noticing. He was about anyone- to say it, but then his throat got harpooned. Right. So. But again, the guy, the guy in the truck didn't have a harpoon in his head. He just had a, I mean, he would have had to climb up the cherry picker yeah. to retrieve said He's poon. only got like, <laughs> he's only got like one, maybe two poons. Right. You got to hang so, on to those things. Yeah. So speaking of hanging on to things. Poons uh, are very we, expensive compared to bullets. Probably. Uh, speaking of hanging on to things, we cut back into the house and Terry and Kim are snuggling while Kim naps for like the 19th time in this uh, season. And we cut to commercial at 324. We come back. It's 329. Uh, the lawnmower is still going. The guy in the truck is still very dead um, in our split screens. We cut back to CTU where Jack is trying to log into some CTU system and getting a access denied. Un- unauthorized use of this terminal is strictly prohibited, which... Yeah, I like unauthorized use should be prohibited. <laughs> yeah, um, I have never felt more kinship with Jack than in this moment where he's trying to get into a system at work and it's just not working, and he just like starts randomly smashing the buttons like a goddamn monkey. <laughs> so he calls that's me Milo. every day. So this this scene kind of felt like just a like a gimme scene for like hey old audience in like early 2000s we know it we know it's hard out there we know we know those computers are really bad <laughs> um but he calls milo over to help out and it says i just downloaded all my files to this terminal and now i'm locked out and then as he says that uh he says he gets a terminal close message and he yells damn it so please take a drink yes um and Milo just says, oh, hold on. Mason didn't tell you. They downgraded your privileges to 3W, so you're the same as everyone else down here. And Jack's just like, I see. Except for <laughs> Milo. Yeah, Milo was somehow... Milo does some hacker shit and tells Jack that that should get him everything he needs. And tells him, don't worry, you'll be back in your office tomorrow. And Jack's just like, oh, I'll probably be in federal <laughs> custody. So he says, basically, as soon as Palmer leaves the state, I'm going to face these charges. Um, and before Milo walks away, uh, kind of looking mopey, Jack asks him if he's noticed anything doing anything unusual with the CTU servers, if they've received anything or done anything related to sensitive intel. Uh, Milo says, well, no, but I haven't been looking. And Jack says, well, start looking. So Milo immediately recognizes his wait. You think there's another mole inside CTU? And Jack just says, I don't know. Just just let me know if you find something. So Milo goes off to work. I'm just um, saying, what reason does Jack have to trust Milo? Because he's from the outside. That's it. Which should be reason yeah. to not trust him. But I think at this point, but Jack... it took him like an hour to trace a phone call to find his wife and daughter. Jack doesn't know that, though. I guess necessarily. that's true. Yeah. But, I mean, I think Jack, he knew the people he trusted, and they've clearly been compromised. Like, Jamie betrayed him. So, I think Milo is outside, so I feel like he thinks he can just... Maybe they wouldn't think of Milo since he was a freelancer, but that mm. seems suspect at best. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and speaking of suspect, uh, we cut back to the Palmer Hotel where Keith is just yelling at someone on the phone, uh, telling them, don't test me, and I will do what I said, because I have nothing left to lose. Not anymore. Which... Like, he kind of has some stuff to lose, like... Yeah, that's his, an inaccurate statement. His freedom, freedom and his life yeah. and his sister and his family. Yeah, like, and, what has yeah. he lost that he... Like, what has he lost? 
in this his, 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 his therapist, who was the only one there for him, which Keith repeats 15 times in this fucking episode. So that means he has nothing left to lose? Like, his entire family? Yeah. Yeah, what nothing left to lose. <laughs> um, so Are we sure that him and Ferragamo weren't more than patient? No. We, we don't know for sure, and honestly, it does seem that way, because Keith, Keith is very attached to uh, Dr. George Ferragamo, um, despite, obviously, Ferragamo having betrayed him, which he gets reminded of later in this episode. Um, so it sounds like Carl on the other end of the line, um, which we learn it, it immediately was, and basically Carl tells Keith that hey, let's meet at the Griffith Park Observatory in 15 minutes. And as they agree to do that, um, Nicole, Keith's sister, walks into the background. She finally reappears. Out How of, long has she know, been gone? Uh, seven time. episodes, I think. Where did she it's, go? She's just been hanging out in the hotel. She took a nappy nap. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, someone slept on this show. Weird. Um, <laughs> and so she asks Keith where he's going. He says, I'm trying to protect you. And she says... Well, the last time you tried that, someone died. And then she's like, sorry, that was a terrible thing to, day, to say. She's like, that's no, pretty accurate and great. <laughs> sorry, yeah, and sorry, no, sorry trying, a- I'm trying to delete it. Sorry. Yeah. And he just says, the less you know, the better. Um, and he's like, well, you trust me, don't you? She's like, well, trust trust goes both ways, Keith. Uh, so he tells also, her I don't trust Carl. you at all. Yeah. <laughs> So he tells her it was Carl because he doesn't want to live with the same guilt he's had in his mind for the last seven years. He's like, I've I've kept the truth from coming out, and with Ferragamo dead, I just I just can't do that again. Um, and I need your help. And he says, this Secret Service agent has been dogging me all day. Which, <laughs> Jesus Christ, that like that's literally the job of the secret. Like it, it's his job to keep you from dying, you dumb fuck idiot. Also, um, he hasn't been dogging him. No. People yeah. just been, come and go with impunity. Yeah. And as we see in a moment, he continues to let him do that. And also, this this hotel suite is the least <laughs> secure place in the entire yep. fucking yep. world. I don't understand how these, so these two, you know, essential young adults, if not children, devise a way to get away from the Secret Service. Yeah. By going into the secret quiet room with the television that apparently also has an emergency no, exit that no, no one has locked the, down. Yeah, the, ul- yeah, the ultimate plan is just to go out of an exit door, <laughs> which should be fucking covered. doesn't make any sense. Like, it's not By like, like 18 agents. Di- yeah, he didn't cause a diversion or something. Nope. He didn't distract anybody. It was just like, oh, there's this door that nobody's guarding. It's yeah. a fucking it's marked exit. There should be a dude there. At least one. At least one dude should be there guarding that door. At least one. Well, speaking of diversions... It was, uh, but... Then he had to go get in and out burgers for all the rest of the dudes. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of diversions, as Nicole walks out the room to distract uh, the agent, um, we get a tiny clock. It's now 3.32 p.m., so please take a drink. And so she distracts the, the agent by saying that she thinks the phones are bugged because she heard a clicking sound, which, again, is a very 2001 sentence. Um, but so that completely disarms the Secret Service agent. He's just like, well, let's go check it out. Um, <laughs> Let me so, leave my post. No big deal. I'm so sure Keith, that's my job. So Keith does some, like, elaborate stealth maneuvers to, like, close a door, drink a glass of water, turn on the TV, sit down on a couch – then get up from the couch, close the door. I, open I half an- expected him to like jump over the couch and do a barrel yeah. roll. <laughs> <laughs> open another door, which again opens to a secure, like a hallway with a secure, like a, a fire exit. Like again, there should be at least four agents guarding this thing. <laughs> um, so we no come one back to knows the secret exit in this hotel room is here. <laughs> How to get out? Fire escape? No one oh. was there. No, we didn't think. Come on, oh. you know. 
Man, but that's an es- that's an exits. that's an escape, guys. That's not an entrance. <laughs> Idiots! So they don't even know the words. That's um, an outdoor, bro. <laughs> Didn't anybody come in there? <laughs> so we come back to CTU, and Jack is going through some files with Mason, and Mason says, "You know, Drazen had two sons. We know Alexis is here, so we should assume that Andre is here with at least two shooters, and possibly a third if Alice is dead." Um, which. Yeah, it's a pretty good bet. Um, mm-hmm. So Elizabeth walks in and Mason introduces him to Jack. And um, Elizabeth says, oh, hey, Jack, uh, Palmer assured me that I would be in good hands with you, which, <laughs> holy fuck, how did they do that? <laughs> Dennis Haysbert wouldn't be the Allstate guy for another 12 fucking years. And they dropped the you're in good hands line. How did they do Maybe it? Maybe that's how he got the job. But he, he didn't even say it. He didn't even say the line. <laughs> he didn't need they just to say it. They just knew it. They just like no, they, they were just... like, "Hey, we need a new spokesperson," and they're like, "For some reason, I feel like Dennis Haysbert and Good Hands go together." Damn man! And if we had his voice coming out of a woman, I think it would work out real well to deliver our message. Yeah, yeah. or a little kid, or just yeah, I mean, honestly, anyone. I I wanted now that I've seen the commercial, I wanted that to happen. Like she opened her mouth, and then it was just <laughs> Dennis Haysbert, like. You're in good hands with Jack Bauer. And then, like, just back to Elizabeth. Like, man, that would have been sick. Um, so Jack would have shot her, though. Yeah, he like, nope. <laughs> Demon. <laughs> um, so they sit down. Jack tells her that she's entitled to a lawyer, but they don't consider her a suspect. And she says, I'm going to help in any way I can. So, basically... Um, she tells Mason that Drazen told her he ran an importing company from Berlin and that he seemed successful. He gave her a, a $10,000 bracelet on their third date. And she says, it's real, which is more than I can say for him. Which is like, girl, you know that dick is real. Come mm-hmm. on now. Mm-hmm. Um, also, so how then, does she know exactly how much it costs? She got it appraised, bro. Yeah. Wouldn't you? Come on now. I mean. She thought, of, she thought about selling it. It's been him. like a month. Yeah. So. Let's make sure that that money is real while she's taking that dick. That's a good point. That's a good point. There it is. So this was a a kind of a weird little exchange. Like um, she tells him that they met a month ago in D.C. when she had some downtime during the campaign. And Mason, Mason was just like, so you met him at a bar? Like very judgingly? Yeah. Like where the, what the fuck? Yeah. Like take your puritanism, get your puritanism out of here, George. It's fucking DC. Yeah. That's where everyone hangs out all the time when you're working on a campaign. Even I know yeah. that shit. So she has to explain. It's like, well, when you're working on a campaign, you basically put your life on hold for a year. There are always people around, but it's lonely. So Drazen was kind of like a port in a storm for her. So you know, she was easy pickings. Not a lot we're, of we're people are sharing yeah. that dick. Yeah. yeah, she's she's allowed to catch a dick every once in a while. She needs it, you mm-hmm. know. You know, and if she has to make recurring appointments over the, the possibly the worst day of her boss's life, then sure, yeah, do what you got to do. Yeah. And let's, you know what, guys, I, I need to understand for our, for our female listener who maybe think we're judgmental. We're not judging Elizabeth. Oh for hell no, dick. no, get Fuck it. No. You, you get that dick when you want hell to. Yeah. What the problem is is that you then take that dick and give away state secrets. That's the issue. Don't yeah. do that. I mean, if only anything, I'm judging Mason, who was just like, "So you met him in a bar." I'm not, yeah, yeah, I'm not even judging her for giving you. away state secrets because, I mean, listen, I've I, seen that guy. Alexis Drazen is a handsome dude. Exactly. I mean, if I was somebody, telling my social security number after. A if month. somebody makes me feel a certain way, I'm gonna give up everything. I'm just gonna like whether yeah. whether it's like torture, I'm giving up everything, or or the absolute opposite end of that. I'm just gonna yeah. tell you everything. Why not? Okay. 
well, you guys, you guys are never going to get in the CIA. Well, you know, uh, yeah. Or am I already there, idiot? Mm. <laughs> so anyway, Jack uh, basically tells Elizabeth twenty-four that they- based on a true story of Michael Cushing's life. So is 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 Cush Rayburn in this situation? <laughs> No, I hope not. I'm here. I'm present. I'm present. Even though the, my computer is, is freezing on me. I'm here. Jack basically explains to the plan to Elizabeth that uh, they want her to meet Drazen in the hotel. And she's like, you want me to spy on him? And Mason's like, well, only if you feel comfortable with it. And Jack's like, yeah, we do. We want you to place a tracking device on him so he can trace his locations. And uh, she I wonder does where not- he wants her to put the tracking device. <laughs> right on, on him or in him? <laughs> right on the tip of that dick. Um, so she does not really look down at the thought of seeing him again, in her words. So um, Jack tells her she'd be safe, but Mason kind of recognizes that she's not into it. Um, so... Basically, he tells Jack to just get ready to arrest Drazen. Uh, and as Jack leaves the room, she says, will this help protect the senator? Um, and Mason's like, he's got s- dozens of Secret Service agents around him. He'll be fine. And she very correctly realizes the uh, flaws in that plan since the Secret Service sucks mm-hmm. and says, well, that didn't stop Alexis Drazen from getting to me. And if he got to me, they could get to someone else. And she says she could never forgive herself if something happened to Palmer when she could stop it. So she's in. Uh, so she makes a very brave choice. We cut to Terry and Kim. And Paulson is taking them through pictures of the terrorists from the Gaines compound. And they go through a couple. And Terry and Kim don't really recognize anyone. And then he brings up a picture of Eli. Mm-hmm. And... Terry freezes, just can't answer, and Kim actually is a decent human being for once and covers for Terry and just says, yeah, we saw him. He was kind of around. Uh, his name, I think his name was Eli. Um, so as they're doing that, Breer looks through the window and sees the utility truck, and he tries to radio to a, a agent named Daniels, and as he does, Yovan opens up a side door very quietly with a sick gun uh it looks like a pistol that shoots lawn darts <laughs> and breer catches one of those bad boys right in the neck it, it was like i thought it was like batman's fucking fucking hard Gra- gun. The grappling, grappling gun. pistol yeah like just fuck just right in the neck it's a fucking harpoon it was great like yeah. that, like you know you hear about silencers or you know sneaking up and and choking somebody out but like Harpoon gun. Harpoon right to the throat. That's the way to go. Let's be honest, guys. So this has to be, I mean, this is pre-9-11, right? Because that dude did not buy that in the States. That came with him from overseas, you know? Uh, I'm going to need, let me get a Glock, uh, maybe the Beretta, and uh, your best harpoon gun. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I need to, I need to go through security at the airport. Come again? Um, yeah, like, they don't. They allow you to bring harpoon guns. Like everyone freaked out about the Glock because it was made of plastic, but this this dipshit walked through with a crossbow gun. <laughs> and like, what are I, you doing with that there? I'm gonna do some base jumping. Uh, so I think we're good. Yeah, give me the harpoon. Yeah, okay. gun. We're, we're fine. It's like I, I, <laughs> can't, like I can't get hurt. on a plane with a a 14 inch mini baseball bat from uh, the baseball stadium, but this idiot can walk right through uh, LaGuardia with a crossbow gun. As opposed from as opposed to the baseball bat from the football stadium, you know how it is. They sell all sorts of weird shit. Um, I can deep. So uh, as Breer gets 
darted in the throat. Um, we cut to commercial to 337. We come back at 341. We get a split screen. We see Keith in the back of a cab. We see David Palmer looking very pensive. And we zoom back to Terry and Kim. Terry's kind of checked out, very clearly thinking about Eli. Um, and Kim is telling Paulson that Gaines had surveillance monitors of Jack and CTU, and he was watching everything that everyone was doing. And she asked to take a break because Paulson kind of is getting a little frustrated with Terry's non-responsiveness. So he agrees and he turns off the camera and he walks away. Terry looks like she's losing it too. Terry, yeah. Terry yeah. is checked the fuck out. Like she, her <laughs> eyes are glazed over. She, she like literally doesn't blink for about two minutes. Mm -hmm. Um, so he goes to get some coffee and he looks out the window and we get a curious sound or lack of sound rather, because the lawnmower has stopped running. And we notice that the lawnmower is sitting inactive in the yard and he puts his coffee down and starts looking for Breer. And then he sees the empty utility truck across the street and he pulls his gun. And then he runs back to Terry and Kim, pulls them with him, and hides them in a bedroom and tells them to lock the door and stay put. And at this point, I am wondering where the fuck is Nina? <laughs> yeah, that's what I was saying. Yep. I was like, didn't Nina just, like, she didn't, she just walked away from the interview. Like, where, where the fuck are you at right now? Yeah. Yeah. Like, Nina disappears. I mean, she could be dead for all we know. Um, but Paulson puts them in a room and he swats his way through the house. Um, and yeah, guys, but he didn't even check the he didn't check the closet in the room to see if that was clear. Yeah, he, he didn't, didn't check right in the room. The house. <laughs> he he didn't check the closet in the room. He definitely does walk up past a door um, without checking it, without clearing it, and then he hears a sound and he turns around and points his gun. And what happens here? Well, he what he heard was a shell sounded like a shell hitting the ground, and that's like Which a we, classic. We, Classics yeah. like maneuver in a stealth game where you throw the the little thing out and make a sound. So all the stupid guards come over and, and what was that? Did you hear and, that? A, as we know, Jovan Miovic does not use shells in his guns. He exactly. uses lawn darts. Correct. So, so he, he, he comes out of the room. Jovan comes out of the bathroom. Says, don't shoot. Up. I'm coming out. Just giving up. White flag. And then what we didn't realize, though, is that Jovan was playing fucking co-op. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So behind Paulson, Mishko Suba, that fucking rat, runs up and stabs him right in the spine. Mm. You got shanked. Yeah. So Jovan picks up his gun as Paulson gets stabbed very badly in the back. And um, weirdly, Literally guys, and figuratively. Yes. So he starts running, and we see that the Bowers very much did not lock the bedroom door and did not stay put. <laughs> uh, and they're running into the garage. And, like, I couldn't tell if they made a good decision or, like, an objectively bad decision by not listening. Like, obviously, it was a good decision because they're on the move. They're getting away. But, like, they didn't listen to the CTU agent. And I, I wonder where they got that thought process. Like, nah, fuck it. We're out of here. Yeah, I mean, because they did it before, like, they could have possibly heard anything going on with Paulson. Like, they were on the move immediately. Right. So, yeah. like... I don't know, like, did Terry just snap and she was just like, I'm getting the fuck out of here no matter what's going on? We, we've we seen Terry go into gangster mode a couple times. I mean, she just has Good that point. in her to be like, you know what? Nope. Nope. Gotta survive. Gotta take care of this kid and gotta survive. Yeah. She just goes into that, into that, That's true. that hyper Terry mode. Which, she okay, is so, a survivor. Which, yeah. by the way, though, so <laughs> they run into the garage, they get in a car, um, Terry opens the door, starts the car, the garage door starts the car. And then she takes the time to buckle up 
like specifically like buckle up before driving away and wait uh, for the garage door to open all the way. Right. Uh, so Yovan hears the garage door open and he starts running through the house. He, he gets a few shots off of the car and like they pull out and they almost hit a truck. And then we see Mishko run up the, run out the front door. He lines up a shot and guys, what the fuck happens? Fucking Tedward Paulson. His name shows the fuck up. His name was Teddy Paulson. So Tedward shows up and does the work that he needs to do. So Mishko Shuba. Paulson very clearly rubbed some dirt on his on his spine <laughs> and walked it off, and he lights Mishko Suba the oh, fuck yes. up. He hits him and like it, a good like three or four times, like square in the back. So I had I had in this I had all all caps. Everyone shoots very well in this scene because Paulson like with a very bad spine, one hand six shots into Mishko like all like very tight grouping. Mm-hmm. Then Yovan just turns around mid sprint and does a tight two in Paulson's chest. Yeah. Uh, he he very much kills him. Uh, I mean he and, is a he is a hired foreign assassin. Right. And wouldn't expect Paulson, anything less. But go ahead. I, I was just gonna say Paulson gives a pretty hilarious like death scream. Like, it, like usually you usually get the Wilhelm scream in this thing, but he just did like a wall. And then, <laughs> and then literally sprints down the street to his car as yeah, he takes off. Yeah, at first I thought he was chasing him. the car like fucking the the T one thousand from Terminator Two. <laughs> right? No, nope, he just parked very far away. Yeah. And I got it. So this guy's an international assassin, right? Experienced guy does his work. Why in the ever loving fuck? Would you go to an assassination, assassination, sorry, on a, on a highly protected target, driving a red Jaguar? A red Jaguar. I a nice say, neighborhood. Maybe it fit in. No, I, I honestly, I think it only, it, they only did it so at the end of the episode when you see a car coming down the street, you're like, okay, that's not him. You're fine. <laughs> like, that's it. They gave him a very I, I, identifiable car just so you, like, the viewer would be like, oh, it's fine. <laughs> Which I'm just picking like out of the airport. Which car did you get for the job? It's a red Jag. What? <laughs> hey man, that's on Which the company you- card. You get a you get a Civic, okay? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, you, don't fucking, you don't get the premier luxury category. No, you get the green Camry, like the most common fucking car on the road. What are you I'm doing? I'm just saying, maybe he's maybe he's a Hertz Hertz preferred member, and he went there, and they were like, they "Hey, you get a upgrade? you get a free upgrade." From this little, this little tiny Corolla to the Jag, and he's like, "Fuck!" I mean, yeah, for free. <laughs> I'm, oh, oh yeah. Okay. He, he probably called Mishko and was like, "Hey, man, guess what I got?" Mishko was like, hey, "Dude, what the fuck are you doing?" He um, definitely got the insurance on that. I mean, you get, you got to. Jack is leaving CTU now with Elizabeth, and he tells her that he's going to be there every step of the way. And uh, as the Secret Service takes her up to the helicopter on the roof, Milo says he has to tell Jack something. And Milo, he informs him that they found Alice dead in the French Quarter. Uh, mm-hmm. And Jazz, Jay, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jack asks him for leads, but uh, Milo says, "Well, we got nothing." But as he says that, Nina walks back into CTU with another agent mm-hmm. uh, out of nowhere, and Jack asks her what the fuck she's doing there. <laughs> <laughs> I gave my uh, my most important possessions to you. Uh, and where the fuck are you? Why are you not with them right now? Well, uh, your just... wife found out that we've been fucking, and um, yeah. she told me she was going to rip my spine out if I looked at her anymore. 
Yeah, Nina doesn't say that, sadly. She just says, well, there's no reason to stay. They're doing fine. And Jack uh, just says, well, I asked you to stay there to make them feel safe, which, again, mm. seems like an odd, yeah. odd ask for just someone. a bad choice. Yeah. Yeah, don't do that. Uh, so Nina just says, they are safe, Jack. Everything is in place. The agents are there. Uh, they are not safe. They are currently nope. being... Chased, uh, chased by Jovan in a red <laughs> yeah, jaguar. The exact opposite of safe. They're going through a mountain road, which I'm like 40% sure this is the same road where Terry brained old Kev with a rock earlier. Mm-hmm. It looked yep. like the same road. Probably. Um, so Terry gets a pretty good lead in their Lincoln Town car, and uh, she cuts down a side road, and Jovan drives right past them. Terry makes, like, she makes a really nice move Solid. here. She solid J turn. Yeah. She pulls right, into the opposite over. lane to get the car to come in the other way to freak out and and turn so that he kind of has to slow down. And then she turns off the road. I'm like, that was fucking smart. No, Terry was fucking stunting this episode for sure. Um, yeah, she pulled it off, man. Until Kennedy to put park on that bad boy. That was <laughs> yeah, uh, she put it in so park really just on like a not so good at the stopping piece. sinkhole uh, of some sort. Yeah, yeah I, I'm gonna. So once we get to the end of this episode, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you guys to take a drink um, for something that happens in this little bit. But um, so Terry cuts down a side road. Jovan drives drives right past. Terry stops the car at a dead end, which is weird. And she says, "I think we lost him, but I'm gonna go check. You stay here, all right?" What was, and, was what was she gonna do? Go, yeah, go see, check see what? if he passed by, so she could so he could see her face. Yes. I don't understand. Yeah, really weird. So, first of all, my first thought was like, "Okay, well, Kim's gonna take this moment to call Rick." Um, <laughs> but so as Terry gets out of the car, we see that the tire is on the edge of the dirt cliff that she parked on and it's sliding a little bit so she gets out and runs up the road and kim rolls down the window just a bit to look back and the car slides down the cliff the, Tim the cliff ruining crumbles, everything again and terry sprints back to where the car went down just in time to see a massive fireball as the town car explodes i'm not even uh, gonna lie to you i laughed out loud so fucking hard because i had forgotten about this scene me too no literally uh, i was watching with my girlfriend and like i just cracked up i was dying and she was just like why what are you doing i was like it's the funniest shit i've ever seen (laughs) i was i was so happy for jack and terry this moment just this huge burden yeah you got rid of one kid they got they got another one on the way everything's fine it's a clean slate it's It's all because because kim has already proved that she sucks she's and she will suck forever like it's not like you know you get your kids are always you know you love them unconditionally but kim is damn near 18 years old and is just horrible so that one can go so burn that away it goes away yeah just you know let those memories just fall to ash um, we get a close-up of Terry's shocked, horrified <laughs> face, and this car explodes like four times. Like it just, it just keeps exploding. It was like um, one of those scenes in a comedy where like it can't stop exploding. Like it just keeps well, going. You know, like somebody, somebody just said, "It's okay. Maybe she got out. <laughs> uh, well, maybe the explosion hasn't gotten to boom." 
Like you know, it's possible she's boom. Nope, she's dead. You know she's the scene gone. in uh, Team America where uh, he just keeps vomiting in the in the alleyway. <laughs> it's that. Like every time you think he's done, um, and then when so, you think maybe she got away from the explosion, a meteor comes down and explodes <laughs> the entire valley. Yeah. So. Uh, this car just continues to explode, <laughs> and Terry just like collapses to the ground in shock. She, it looks like she faints. The camera goes out of focus, and it's three forty-seven. We cut the commercial. We come back. It's three fifty-two. We have a split screen. Terry is still on the ground. We see a the car fireball, and we zoom to what I have to assume is the Griffith Park Observatory. Keith walks past some tourists, looking very determined as he walks up to Carl Webb, and he yells. In public, surrounded by tourists. <laughs> He's dead, isn't he? Ferragamo's dead. <laughs> you already knew that. Yeah, though. It, Keith. Yeah, it's not. It, yeah, it's been determined that he did. Keith. <laughs> very, Just, very dead. Yeah. I already say so, you he did. I say you he did. <laughs> John Lennon's dead, isn't he? <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> you, yeah. So. Yeah. <sighs> Keith and Carl have just like a real dumb back and forth about how the real world works. Like basically, um, you know, he starts pushing Carl around saying like, my father's his own man and so am I. So now you have to go through all this with me too. Um, <laughs> and Carl just says like, Ferragamo betrayed your confidence, Keith. He's the one who went to Maureen Kingsley. So what are you hoping to do here? Bring him back to life? And Keith just says, no, I want justice. And this so, is where Carl, this was this where Carl plays his hand. Yeah. Yeah, I would say this is an interesting scene because like I was like, God damn it, like what what are you yelling about? You're yelling about stuff in plain sight of all these people. You're using like very specific terms like you killed him, didn't you? Like, oh, you know, uh basically like spelling everything out and I was like, Are you wearing a fucking wire? Like that's the only reason like it's like, yeah, can you give me the drugs now and I can give you the money? Yeah, like <laughs> abracadabra. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Michael, yeah, as we'll learn in a moment, like everything up until this point is pointing at Carl being like this like wizard political operative who just like is a fixer, is great at his job, like very powerful men trust him to make certain things happen. Mm -hmm. And to your point, Keith is very much a novice at this. Apparently, and just yelling about Ferragamo, very specifically identifying a dead person. And so he, he asks about justice. And Carl, Carl just says, justice? Well, justice is a tricky thing, Keith. You take Lyle Gibson, for instance. You want justice for that? Well, let's be objective. He rapes your sister. You pay him a visit and he ends up dead. An accident could be a tough sell. So Keith realizes that he's – Carl's implying that if he goes public with the truth about Ferragamo – Carl's gonna go public with the lie about Lyle Gibson, and Carl realizes that he realizes that he's dealing with another literal infant in the Palmer family, <laughs> and just kind of says, "Oh, brother," and basically just tells Carl, sorry, he tells Keith that what we already know, what David already knows, he that there is evidence that links Keith directly to Ferragamo's murder. Which I still don't understand. Like, how could they be so sure that the fire marshal was gonna miss this piece of evidence the first time around? Yeah. He dumb. Yeah. So it basically says there's physical evidence there that leads directly to you. It's subtle enough that the fire marshals didn't find it, but with a little help, they will. And uh, Keith is just like, okay, so I'm going to be framed for Farragam if I say anything. <laughs> and Carl just says, like I said, we'll do it, do whatever it takes. 
it's why your father backed off and it's why you'll back off. And he just walks away. And Michael, to your point, Keith pulls a gigantic recorder out of his pocket and plays the conversation back. And Carl is not great at his job, you guys. Yeah, I was well, like, no, you know, smart move, first smart move by Keith. But then also, is Carl not, a though. fucking moron? Well, Carl's stupid, right? But Keith still doesn't get the game. I said here. That's true. At the end of the day, what does Keith have? He has evidence against Carl. That's yeah. true. He still has no idea who the major players are. He has no way to prove they're doing anything. Carl is just the, the link in the chain they're willing to give up. And what the fuck? So Carl goes to jail? Who cares? And, he, and they'll probably get Carl out of jail anyway. You know, and yeah. you so know who Carl also drags down, though? Palmer, because he's worked exactly. for Palmer. Right. Yep. And actually, he's got so nothing. There's something in this. So Keith has done this once before in this show. Jack has done this once before in the show, like in the first episode. Keith. Once again, intuits a much larger game going on here with absolutely zero evidence or insight into the process. He <laughs> so he threatens Carl because he he knows that there are two cover ups between Lyle Gibson and Ferragamo, and that Carl isn't in, involved in both of them. So he's like, however this plays out is bad for you. And Carl just says, I can take care of myself. And he says, No, the money men behind my father's campaign can take care of you. But if things get messy, they'll make sure you take the fall, won't they? Or maybe they'll do to you what you did to Ferragamo. So, like, Keith just intuits this, like, larger conspiracy out of nowhere with no, like, I can see why he would kind of get there. But he doesn't have any info on that, any insight. And I feel like he's just throwing shit at the wall to see what Carl will give up on tape. The thing is, like, why wouldn't they just kill you, you dumb idiot? Like he he says they like, it'd be messy killing me, but like he they could they could <laughs> yeah. do it yeah <laughs> yeah you're not really that useful Keith. yeah so and that might actually get David some sympathy votes if his right. son got got murdered his dumb idiot son uh, so <laughs> so we cut back to the cliffside as Terry is pull, pushing herself up off the ground she's walking around in a daze and she grabs her shoulder from where she fell. She walks back up to the main road, and we get a tiny clock. It's 3.55. It's a, it's a very somber tiny clock. Though. Very somber tiny clock. Um, Terry tries to flag down a passing car, and we get a split screen of Yovan's Red Jaguar as he finally, after 10 minutes, uh, 10 minutes of driving down a country road, realizes that he has lost Terry and Kim. Um, and he pulls a U-turn to head back towards Terry, which... This entire time, this show has taught me, like, there's no temporal, like, relevance to anything that happens in this show. So, I thought he was just going to turn around and just, like, happen upon Terry in the next (laughs) two minutes. Mm -hmm. Despite having driven for ten minutes, I thought he was just going to appear and, like, abduct (laughs) Terry. Um, But so, she walks up to the road and a very nice lady stops and asks if uh, she's okay, which um, Terry just can't speak. She just stares at her. She She's just done. stares at it's her. It's crazy. Done. Her Fuck, soul like, is Why gone. would that woman stay there? So she the got woman sung a while ago, and I yeah, Coach. Sorry, I t- talk about who this is because it's I will, and to I, me. I I need to get to this. <laughs> um, so the lady asks what Terry's name is. But the woman driving the car, uh, she's blonde in this in this show, but she will very soon have black hair and dress like a moron in NCIS because she That's is her. the she's Abby. Yep. She's, yeah, she's Polly, the nerdy lab tech from NCIS, which, Curtis, does your, <laughs> does your law and order theory come into play here? It doesn't. What come in, what came into play here was the first episode you guys taught me, or told me that 24 set up some tropes for shows that we would know 
uh, procedural shows that we know nowadays. And I didn't think you meant it literally set up the nerdy, um, the nerdy hacker scientist girl oh, from God, NCIS dude. being in you the have, goddamn show. You have no idea uh, what's was, coming. It was, but it was perfect. I, I was laughing my ass off. Um, for, no, Abby was never on uh, Law and Order. She's probably fine. Now she ends up being a murderer. She was. Uh, she is on NCIS she, though for the last eighteen years. But I will say this: I I have watched NCIS because my parents watch NCIS every once in a while. She's the one part of that show that I like. Her her skill set makes no sense. Wait, wait, but Curtis, I still like her. Curtis, <laughs> Curtis, your parents watch NCIS. Who's, Correct. Whose parents do that? Everyone's everyone's, everyone's parents <laughs> watch everyone's NCIS. Parents ever. <laughs> In fact, as soon as your kids are old enough to know what's going on, you're going to have to start watching NCIS. I think the entire like encyclopedia of NCIS will just be downloaded directly to your brain. Like yeah. you'll never have seen an episode, but you know everything you'll about know. it. Yeah. Um, so she asks Terry what her name is, and Terry can't remember, which shocks this woman very badly, and says, "Well, you can't just stand in the middle of the road." And she tells Terry to get in that she'll give her a ride. So Terry very slowly gets in the car. Terry's got kimnesia. She's she's got kimnesia. Um, Don't worry, Abby will figure out what's wrong with her. Yeah, fix it. So So, this reminds me of uh, Breaking Bad, where he he has the fake fugue state and he just like goes around walking around naked and like eating yogurt or some shit. Mm -hmm. Um, Except this is real. Yeah, while Walter White is an evil son bitch who decided to do that, we did see Terry solely for mm-hmm, Yeah, yeah. Like, well, like yeah, she got, I mean, like she got beaten by Shang Tsung in fucking Mortal so Kombat. I started. This was bad. <laughs> this was bad. Like she just laid down on the ground. Like it was, you know, finish her, and she was done. I wrote down. I wrote down just a, a short list of things that have happened to Terry. Uh, over the last yeah, sixteen episodes, How, how's her day been going? So she's her, had a she's had a half day. Her daughter got kidnapped. She got unwittingly kidnapped or unknowingly kidnapped. Well, for, first, her, her daughter abandoned Richard, the house. Richard, her, her daughter yeah. snuck out of the house. Then, her, then her daughter was kidnapped, and then her daughter called her to tell her that she was kidnapped, but she couldn't find her. Then she escaped her own kidnapping by having to almost kill a dude with a rock. Then she mm-hmm. tied up said dude and got betrayed by CTU, where her husband. You, for, you forgot the. Head the of it. You forgot the point where she thought her daughter might be dead because oh, someone right. was brought to a hospital. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So she thought it's true. She thought her her daughter might be dead. Um, betrayed by CTU. Uh, put in a barn. Sexually assaulted. Uh, she found out her husband and uh, his subordinate had been fucking. Mm-hmm. Um, found out she was pregnant. She yeah, before the the been fucking. Exactly. She found out she's pregnant. Uh, she escaped again from some more assassins. Uh, and then her daughter blew up. Yeah, Jack's day in comparison has not been that long. Not even, no, not even close. Her daughter Jack's a, blew. Jack's a weakling up in, in this front situation. Of her guys, I think overall this just proves something that that I think most men need to know. Um, we are weak compared to women because half that shit would have broken us. Would he's been like, you know what? Fuck it, I'm out. I'm not doing this anymore. Mm. I'm done. Like literally, Terry, I would have been Terry, like, Terry, Terry I need to go play some Xbox. Like, I'm, I need a, I need a minute to myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Terry went through so much shit until literally she broke herself. She broke very badly. So they drive away. We see Jack and Nina kind of climbing into the helicopter in a split screen, and then we get another split screen of a bloodied hand in the grass. Uh, appears to be Kim Bowers dead stupid hand we pan up the arm to her 
dumb, beautiful head, very peaceful in repose. And guys, what happens? She uh, she looked less blowed up than than uh, you know one might have thought. She blinks and wakes up. Mm-hmm. She Indiana Jones herself. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously, she's gonna head to Rick. That's yeah. her first move. So where's, where's she Rick? crawls back up the hill, realizes that Terry has left, and starts yelling, "Mom!" And we cut to black, and it's three fifty nine. And fellas, I didn't want to say this at the time, but I do need everyone to take a drink. Because this is the first time in the show where Kim Bauer's life is threatened by nature. Oh. Because of the cliffside. The cliffside falling. Yep, I, wanted, I, wanted you, I wanted you to drink earlier, but I couldn't ruin it. Mm-hmm. Wait, wait, wait a minute, gentlemen. Mm-hmm. I will not explain further. Do not ask me for details. There are other nature-related Kim issues, as it were. Curtis, you're in for such a treat. I can't even <laughs> explain. Like, literally, I cannot wait. For season two, probably episode sixteen, if I had to, if I have to guess. Uh, God, I just, I just, I feel like there should be a typhoon that just murders Kim because nature should want her dead. I mean, um, Curtis, I can't, I can't worse. tell you if that happens or doesn't happen. But all I'm gonna say is the six p.m. hour of season two is pretty fun. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna mark that down in the old calendar. Should be there. The next, it's episode. Two it's so. episode eleven. So we'll, yeah. get it, we'll get into that. Yeah. So guys, where do we go from here? So Terry's kind of on the lam. Doesn't even know who she fucking is. Kim is lost again. Who gives a shit? Uh, Jack is on his way to hopefully apprehend Alexis Drazen, but presumably he's about to find out that all of it, the agents are dead. His wife and daughter are missing and possibly dead. Like. I'm curious yeah. how long it's going to take him to find that out, though, because, like, anyone who would know is dead, and, like, it's Nina and the other guy were the only other people there. Yeah. They're not going to go no and check on him for a while, right? Because yeah. there's no way there of no way no, It depends on how far away that safe house is from CTU. Right. And, again, so Jack is kind of operating now under the assumption that, like, he's useful to this thing. Like, how, how does he continue to do his job if he does find out, which I have to assume it's going to happen in the next episode or two. So I'm hoping that that will increase his uh, vengeance level <laughs> and the number of bodies that he's dropping. I think right now he's not in the mood to drop bodies. He's like, whatever. You know, we'll figure this out. We'll get the raisins. No big deal. Yeah. But once it's like, hey, Kim and Terry are in trouble again. Well, I ain't got to die. Everybody's got to die. Everybody I mean, around me. I don't give a shit who it is. I mean, at this point, at that point, he'll have nothing left to lose if he thinks Terry and Kim are dead. Like, who gives a shit about jail? Who gives a shit about anything? I'll just kill everyone in my path. Yeah, right, Keith? That's what it means to have nothing left to lose. When right. everything that you have that you care about is Has in danger. Has been taken from right? you. Yeah. Correct. That, that's when you have nothing left to lose. Um, I, I got one thing here, fellas. Is it, it, does it amaze you guys how efficient and exact the, uh, the chopper surface was getting Elizabeth to CTU? Compared to how they were getting a team out to save one of their own agents. Yeah. Again, uh, it's, Mr. It, Bauer. it's one of those moments where it's just like, again, there's no like temporal like relevance to anything. It's just like <laughs> shit just happens when like even the first episode, I think we talked about this or second episode, Jack took the helicopter back to CTU because like the writers just needed him to be there very quickly rather than driving like. It's it just like they make up reasons for things to happen or not happen, and like, yeah, you can you can get across LA in five minutes or an hour and a half. It it just depends on what the show calls for. 
Yeah, it was a joke. So I know the questions you're going to ask me, Kush, and I'm going I'm to go over this right now. I'm just going to do this. You know what I'm going to ask you. Yep, here's the thing. So here's what's going to happen. Um, um, Elizabeth is going to pretend to want that dick, but do it poorly and get murdered by Alexis, and he's going to escape because everybody's bad at their job. <laughs> uh, so that's gonna, that's an easy one. That's you don't simple. Th- you don't think the um, squad across the hall is going to do its job? No, no fucking chance. What about I think the as Michael, service, Michael was saying, no, man, G Reg with the third leg is going to fail at getting over uh, to that room fast enough. Uh, it's going to be bad news bears. I uh, think the service is horrible. Um, uh, uh, one of the Palmers will be in, in immediate danger in the next three episodes because, you know, uh, they're, they're bad at their job. Uh, and Jack will break away again from CTU and have to do things himself. Okay. Uh, here's here's uh, a question you didn't answer. I think answer. that – go ahead. Yeah, no, 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 go, go, no, go ahead. Finish your thought. I may have more. Um, okay. So uh, Abby's going to get Terry somehow safely into CTU hands. Um, uh, I think I think that, that – uh, what's his name? Uh, creepy, creepy Balkan dude. Uh, we'll Yovan. give it a shot. Yovan, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll give it a shot, but, uh, you know, Abby's too skillful and we'll get away, um, from them. So NBD there. Uh, and then Terry in her broken state will still manage. I think she might actually kill this dude. He's already double tapped Eli. If, if Terry kills a Balkan assassin in her, in her Terry state, um, which is, which is akin to like, literally like a super saiyan when it comes to being, you know, able to turn on spy powers. Um, <laughs> I think that'll be impressive, and okay. I think he'll do it. So that's where I'm at right now. Um, I mean, who's Terry, the mole? Who's yeah, the mole? There it's it is. either George Mason or Alberta. Uh, really? I don't like Mason's face when he's looking at Jack. He never mentions Petikoff, and he already knows some stuff that he shouldn't know yet. Um, and Alberta just got the old heave-ho, and we never heard anything about that. So we'll, we'll see what happens. I have a question. All right. So you, you think the mole is someone in CTU brass? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Speaking Speaking of yeah. Where the fuck is Tony? Tony was not present in this episode. Yeah, Tony did some work the last couple episodes. I think he needs a little like, lunch, a little nap. Maybe he's talking to Rayburn a little bit. Mm, he's like, hey, f- fuck you, buddy. We need you. Been? You been, pal? You know, hey, you ate, Tony. Hey, Ray, Rayburn, you ate all those danishes, motherfucker. What <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> Wanted some breakfast. Did you eat those danishes on the loo, bro? Seriously? <laughs> You're supposed to be calling the chopper. Pretty, pretty fucked up. Oh, well, gentlemen, I cannot wait to talk to you next week for episode shit 17, I think, Oof. of 24 season we've been, one. We've been doing this shit for a few weeks now, y'all. Yeah, we, only got, we only got eight episodes left, guys. Yeah, we're we're cruising right along. Um, Curtis, I can't wait to see if all of your predictions come through. I, I have a good feeling. None, none, none of them will. I'm <laughs> drunk and talking out of my ass right now, so I'm pretty sure that none of them will, but I'm excited to see if... Uh, any of them print out. Yeah, I'm also excited to find out because I, I, I've, I keep discovering that I don't remember anything about this show until it happens. And like when Kim Bauer died in a fireball, allegedly, oh I, I, I lost so my shit. I, I, oh my I was so, it was so funny to me because um, I remembered it all. I uh, wanted it so bad. It just as, comes as flooding fa- back to you. Yeah. It was, as, as a father, every real or imaginary story about a child dying for a parent normally makes me real, real sad. Now this I one, was huh? fucking giddy for this one. Oh, you guys, I'm so happy for you. Just a way to restart your family. Just reboot the whole thing. Yeah, like you just, you hey, know, you dropped, the, you dropped the ball on the first one. It was mm-hmm. a 16, 17 year exper- experiment. Gave it a shot. You fucked up. That's fine. So yeah, did people, yeah. at that moment, did you think that maybe we had just been fucking with you the entire time about how Kim was going to be awful for like the next eight seasons? I was really hoping. Hmm. 
That because she, I, I, I thought to myself, this was the episode where she reached the apex of stupidity <laughs> from a person. Oh, 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 uh, oh, Curtis, my, but, my sweet but, summer but, child. But, but, but here's boy. the thing. Here's the thing. If you guys don't know, today, um, as we're recording this, is a very interesting day in our country, and I, I didn't realize what the apex of stupid actually was. Mm. And today, I realized that we haven't even seen it yet. Nope, we haven't gotten there. We're still, Curtis, we're still climbing um, up that hill. Curtis, yeah. uh, so as, as I they think Kim say, can do better. Winter is still coming. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> you sweet. But is it? But is it? Is it coming on Elizabeth? Mm-hmm. Hey, oh. <laughs> listen, she doesn't have room for any more. Um, <laughs> but fellas, thanks so much for joining me this week on the Long Days of Our Lives. I'm all um, filled up. God damn it! Um, you guys didn't quite break me this week, but you came pretty close, and I love you to death for it. Um, if you guys listening want to find out more about this show, you can find us on goodbuddymedia.com slash blog. Um, I, I think for this one, I have a couple ideas for a blog post, so I'll, I'll put something up. Um, you can also find another show that Michael and I do. This week's Trends in Low Places, uh, my sister makes a, uh, a guest appearance. Oh, I learned so much about the Kush family. She telling, she tells Michael and I about, uh, one of my family's deep dark secrets, um, which apparently my mother received a order of cookies from a cocaine kingpin. Or queen pin, as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a great story. So check out Trends in Little Places for that little tidbit of history. And uh, Curtis, how else can people keep up with what we do? Guys, uh, please subscribe to us on your podcast app of choice, whether it be iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Podcast Addict, any of those that you use. Um, subscribe uh, to us. You can, you can search for us and find us pretty easily along the days of our lives. Uh, and rate and review us and comment um, on our podcast. Um, tell us what we, what you love, what you don't love, and we'll um, we'll keep doing whatever the fuck we want to. Um, but rating and reviewing us gets us up those charts and helps us become a podcast juggernaut. Uh, but yeah, help us out that way. And Michael, how can they help us on social media? Yeah, you can find us at LDOLcast um, on Twitter and Facebook. Um, and when you see us post something about the show, uh, especially the new episode, um, you know, please share that with all of your friends and family and loved ones. Um, you know, that's the best way for us to kind of grow the uh, the brand here um, is for you to continue sharing it with friends and then they share it with friends. And then before you know it, you know, people in like Russian Siberia are listening to us talk about a 16 year old television show, which is amazing. So uh, yeah. thank you for everyone who has shared it, Come, uh, you know, over the last couple of weeks. Um, we love you and uh, we just love kind of doing this for you guys. Yeah. Wait a minute. We got a Siberian going? Not yet, but I'm sure. <sighs> No, Maybe like we, an Eskimo or two. We need more friends. We need more friends. We need more friends. Exactly. Um, everyone, thanks for joining me this week. And sorry for any uh, publication issues we might have had this week. Our podcast hosts kind of went offline Thursday when we normally post. So things were a little bit late. So sorry if you had any issues downloading the episode. I know uh, we weren't appearing in some people's feeds. I heard some feedback. So sorry about that. We should be back up and running normally uh, this weekend moving forward. But uh you know, just find us, like Curtis said, in any app you choose, and uh, we'll be there. So, fellas, thanks for joining me this week. I had a great time talking to you. Love you guys. <laughs> fellas, we're running out of time. Toodles. I'm not doing it again. <laughs>